this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Great to see you. We're a bit thin on the ground this morning, aren't we? But it's good to see you anyway. Thank you for being here this morning. I hope you've enjoyed our time so far. It's been really great to worship God together, hasn't it? Yeah, One of us just feels so anyway. <laughs> yes, right. No, no, it has been. And it's good when God just meets with us um, at a point of need. Isn't it great that God loves us so much to be able to just meet us at our point of need? Okay, um, am I coming across all right? I just feel a bit weird as it's I'm echoing. Fine. Mwah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Okay, we're going to be looking at the scriptures before um, we do anything else. So if you want to turn, if you have a Bible or if you want to scroll to it on your digital device, it's 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 11, uh, sorry, chapter 5 and verses 11 to 21. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Um, we covered 1 first, first Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, um, I believe, last year. And I spoke, I think last time I spoke, it was from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I just couldn't resist really going a little bit further on from that and looking at chapter 5. So I really felt it was important to bring this word to you this morning. Before we read the scriptures, it'd be good for us just to pray together. So let's just quiet our hearts before God and just do that. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're so grateful and so thankful to you for being Father. You are so good at fathering us, Lord God. You know every move that we make, every step that we take. And you lovingly guide us and lead us, despite when, Lord, we turn our back on you. Or we go at a tangent from you, Lord God. You're always there. And I want to thank you that you are the good shepherd. And I want to pray this morning, Father, that you release your Holy Spirit. That you will, by your Holy Spirit, mobilize us this morning as individuals and as your body, as your church, Lord, to be all that you have planned for us to be. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 to 21. Here we go. Uh, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for, for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this, sorry, in this way, 
we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us Sorry, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as, through, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. I think I've lost something. Yeah, I know what it is. It's my water. Excuse me. It's thirsty wit, you know, bringing the word of God. Okay. So this morning, um, we're looking at what Paul is saying to, to us uh, in and through 2 Corinthians. And as we've read these verses, we can see that Paul, who is writing to the Corinthian church, presents the subject of reconciliation. He makes reference to it five times within this very short passage. The Bible has much to say about the subject of reconciliation, and it is an extensive subject. It has to do with relationships between one human being and another, i.e. man to man. Lovely. Okay. Can you hear me all right? Yeah? Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's to do with relationships between uh, man and man and also, or as well as, between God and man. And because of the uh, constraint of time this morning, we're going to be looking more specifically um, as it is, relates to our relationship with God this morning, along with also the ministry of recollection which God has entrusted to us. We know that from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture witnesses to God's mission to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And Colossians chapter 1 talks about that in the 15th to the 20th uh, verse. The fullness of reconciliation is friendship with God in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Reconciliation is a sign of God's presence in the world of the kingdom of God drawing near to humanity, of God's initiative in reaching out to embrace a broken and fragmented world. Praise God for that. I've lost my place now. I'll find it soon. In our reading earlier, Paul um, was writing to the Corinthians and this is his second letter to them, having had a very sort of tough, rough time in 1 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, his relationship has improved somewhat with them. And Paul is in a better place in his relationship with the Corinthians, and things have changed. And we find Paul opening up his heart further to the Corinthians, and he makes himself vulnerable to them. And at the same time, he encourages them to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. 
Uh, before we go any further, I think it would be good um, for us just to uh, see what the uh, Bible dictionary has to say about the, the word reconciliation. Vine writes uh, um, as follows. It says, it means primarily an exchange, denotes reconciliation, a change on the part of one party induced by an action on the part of, an, of another. In the New Testament, the reconciliation of men to God by his grace and love in Christ. So the common definition of reconciliation as it relates to relationship is the restoration of friendly relations. The action of making one view of belief compatible with another. We see this definition through the words restoration and compatible. And they are part of what makes reconciliation. However, the root of reconciliation is the word conciliation, which is an action of stopping someone from being angry. When we have reconciliation, it means that we will restore our relationship to the one that enables us to be compatible and friendly with one another again. And that's God. The idea of, rec- rec- sorry, the idea of um, reconciliation acknowledges the fact that there is a separation between two or more parties. And God has declared that our sins have separated us from him. And we can read that in Isaiah. Therefore, we need to be reconciled back to God, but we have a sin problem. Before you and I were reconciled to God, um, we were at enmity with God, making us an enemy of God and indeed a a sinner. But God, it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was through Jesus' death that we are reconciled or restored to a right relationship with God this morning. It was certainly not anything that we actually did because our works are useless to save us. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that. For it says in verse 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works that, so that no one can boast. Last week uh, we had our Easter service and Graham shared about death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we are all able to receive forgiveness and reconciliation with God through Christ. Having received this reconciliation, Paul goes on to say, for Christ's love compels us, urges us to reach out to others in order to reconcile them also to God through Christ. In fact, if you look at verse 18, Paul says, He, that is God in Christ, has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So there's a clear and specific challenge that Paul presents to us as a result of being reconciled with God. And the challenge is that we should reach out to others. With the help of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of reconciliation, we are able to reconcile others to God through Christ. We become the tool, the channel, if you like, whereby God uses us in, reconcile, in the reconciliation process. So, what is the ministry of reconciliation? 
It is the message of reconciliation itself. In the latter part of verse 19, if you look, Paul says, and he, again referring to God, has committed to us the message, the message of reconciliation. The message he refers to, we can see in verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Hallelujah. See, God has dealt with sin's devastating power over mankind. And Christ has crushed it at the cost of his death, satisfying the justice and the righteousness of a holy God, whereby destroying the power of sin over our lives. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. Certainly worth a hallelujah, isn't it? Hence, Paul declares, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You and I are new creations. We've been born again. Praise God. It's worth reminding ourselves of that. Because so often in life, because it's so busy, we tend to put that in the back of our minds. You see, God took the initiative in reconciling us to himself through Christ. It is God's mission, and he has entrusted this mission to us and to those who belong to him. We have a glorious gospel of good news. And for many Christians, they are happy to receive that blessing of good news. However, many Christians find it difficult to share it for various reasons. Not so for Paul. He was fully committed to the ministry of reconciliation. Whatever he Wherever he went, he was reaching out to people from all sorts of different backgrounds and walks of life with a view to reconcile them to God through Christ regardless of the reactions and the encounters that he received from his listeners. He speaks so passionately to the Corinthian Christians but this message is not only restricted to the Corinthians only but it is for all Christians of all eras. So powerful is the impact and the influence of the love of Christ in Paul's life that he is driven to live a life of loving service for the one he encountered on the Damascus Road, and that was Jesus. Can you remember back the first day that Jesus met with you? What a glorious day that was. But you know, that that, that doesn't change. We always tend to look back. And he uses language that is so fervent and moving, words like compel and implore and persuade. When he uses a word compels or constraineth, as the King James Version says, Paul introduces here the subject of the love of Christ as a constraining force within his life. Constraineth implies to compress forcibly the energies into one channel. It conveys the idea of that which takes a hold of us with force and moves us with that force to act in a certain manner or way. The word force here can be uh, understood incorrectly. God doesn't force us to do anything. However, he may lovingly and certainly persuade us to. Therefore, it is not to be taken in the negative form. 
or the negative sense, but it can be better understood as the positive force and powerful influence of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life. Such was the love of Christ within him. He was gripped by it and unshaken in his fervor and zeal and mission for his Lord Jesus. His motivation wasn't the command to go and make disciples. I want to say that again. His motivation wasn't the command to go and make disciples. His motivation was the love of Jesus at the cross for him. And that's what drove him. It's as though through the very core of Paul's being, uh, is forcibly moved and energized by, by love. An unstoppable Holy Spirit urge or compulsion to see people reconciled to God. Another word Paul uses is implore, meaning entreating somebody and pleading with them, even begging his listeners to be reconciled to God through Christ. Paul uses similar language in his other writings also in the New Testament. Notice with me, if you will, in verse 20, he uses the word we. Paul is not alone in his appealing to the Corinthians. There are also others who have, have the same Holy Spirit unction. I want to say this morning, this was not an exclusive Pauline trait. But God used others in the same way. And that's truly exciting, don't you think? It means that he can use us in the same way. Praise God. And my prayer is that we as a body, the church, that we would have a fresh revelation of the cross. Not a new revelation, but a fresh revelation reminding us of the depth of the love Christ has for us. And that, that, that would be our motivation. So much so that all of us, like Paul, may be taken hold of by the Holy Spirit and experience the same unstoppable urge and compulsion to reach out to those that do not Christ. If you're um, taking notes, um, whether in pen or digitally, um, this will probably be quite helpful to you. Um, so if you're taking notes, that's, that's great. If you don't get this, um, you can ask me and I'll email it to you. I think it would be good for us just... I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And I think it would be um, good for you to maybe discuss these in a live group context. So if you've got a pen, you can jot them down. But if you haven't, not to worry. I can email them to you. Just let me know. So the first question I've got is, does the love of Christ compel you in a similar way to Paul? Does the love of Christ compel you in a similar way to Paul? If so, how does that practically work out in your life in terms of reaching out to others? If the answer is no, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? And how do I, or we as a group, as a church, as a body, overcome that? I know for me personally, I have not attained to it to the same degree as Paul, but I'm in pursuit of it. Like Paul, I would say the following. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already 
arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards a goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And he talks about that in Philippians. That's where I'm at. Maybe that's where you're at. What matters is that we are continue pursuing that. Maybe the Holy Spirit compels us and implores us like he did with Paul. Work in us to accomplish God's will. Amen? Amen. You see, evangelism is central to Paul's mission. He had to suffer much for Christ in its proclamation. To persuade men of the truth of the gospel, Paul was not put off by fear, hardship, suffering, or accusations, or even mockery, or criticisms, or even the scrutiny of others concerning his character and his apostleship. He wasn't willing under any circumstances to compromise the ministry of reconciliation that he had received from the Lord. Someone once said, it's an unknown quote, that good news, sorry, the good news of the gospel needs to be proclaimed before it can be accepted or rejected. The Bible tells us that when we preach, Proclaim, share the gospel, the good news. God is working in us and through us, reconciling sinners. Those who are lost and blind to the truth and the love of Christ. The captive, the suffering, the poor. They all need to hear the message of reconciliation. Paul goes on to say that as we engage in this ministry of reconciliation, we, are actually becoming, we actually become ambassadors of and for Christ as messengers and representatives of Christ. And as, a, as an ambassador, we are called not to speak from our own thoughts or opinions, and nor are we to act from our own strength or authority, but in, act in the strength of the Holy Spirit. God makes his appeal to those that are without Christ through us as his ambassadors. Wow. Wow. Have you ever met an ambassador? Well, you have now. Why don't we just turn to one another, maybe you don't know the person, and just tell them your name and say, and before you tell them your name, just say, Ambassador Ray, nice to meet you. Why don't you do that? It's a grand title. It makes you feel quite, I don't know. Lift it up, doesn't it? Ambassador Ray. Ambassador Adam, how are you this morning? Very well, sir. Thank you. Ambassador. I'm going to use that on the streets. I'm going to say, have you met an ambassador? They'll say, no, I'm an ambassador. And I'll be really interested and I'll get into the gospel then. <laughs> so Paul, as an ambassador of Christ, is reaching out to his listeners in Corinth. Some of whom were still at enmity with God alongside others that have already been reconciled to God. So it's a mixture of people. 
But I want us to notice that he doesn't do this arrogantly or boastfully. Lording it over the Corinthians from a viewpoint of an apostolic authority. But as an ambassador with gentleness and tact, respect and love for his listeners. And we can learn much from Paul here. If we are to be true ambassadors, then we must rely on the Holy Spirit to engender and ingenerate those qualities and characteristics in him. And he does that as we yield to him. Paul presents a clear challenge to us this morning. And that challenge is to reach out to those who are not as yet reconciled to God. Now I'm going to use that fearful word again. And I say this for a reason. As I mentioned earlier, many Christians find it difficult to share their faith with unbelievers for various reasons. The biggest reason I believe is the fear of man closely followed by the lack of confidence and clear understanding of their identity in Christ. And I'm pretty sure there's other reasons too. Church, this morning, would you not agree with me? We need to see greater we need to see a greater release in God's grace for evangelism. Amen? Amen. We do. How do we receive that? Well, I suggest we pray for grace. And then I suggest we step out. Trusting in God and simply tell someone. Now, does that sound doable? I'll ask the question again. Does that sound doable? I think it does. To grow in faithful evangelism this year, we don't necessarily need to attend more seminars or master complex techniques. Though these are helpful, and I would recommend them certainly to help you in your, in your evangelism. In my experience, limited that it might be, these three simple goals work. Pray more intentionally. Pray more intentionally. Second, take up the opportunity when it arises. Take up the opportunity when it arises. And thirdly, speak as a Christian. Speak as a Christian. And I'll explain a bit more about that later. These three actions can help us make progress. And they're only going to make progress if you follow those. But then I hear a loud cry, or a silent cry. I hear you say, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at it. I don't know what to say. It's not for me. I'm not an evangelist. God has raised other evangelists for this. I'm too shy. I'm afraid of rejection. I just feel uncomfortable. I've got answers for all those, by the way, but I'm not going to go through them. Simply to say this, our inadequacies, weaknesses, fears are an opportunity for God to triumph. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. What a paradox. What a paradox. But I can testify that it's true. And I'm sure you can too. When you've been put on the spot by God. And you just don't know what to say, what to do. And you're screaming from inside and saying, God help me. And he does. Every time he does. I said earlier, speak as a Christian. What do I mean? What I mean by that is that you have every right to be confident. You have every right to be bold. Why? Because you are chosen of God. You didn't run into God's presence by a mistake or chance. God called you. He called you. You are a child of God. And as we grasp that, this truth and allow it to penetrate our hearts, it will change our whole approach to evangelism. Because heaven is on our side and we have nothing to fear or to shrink back from. Today, God is speaking to you and saying he has qualified you to be his ambassador. If you make yourself available and teachable, he will use you in amazing ways. John 15 says this, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, I thank God I'm not an evangelist, but I am a witness. How can I not be? Jesus has saved me. He's transforming me every day. And that's what we're called to be, witnesses. I thank God for the grace that he gives us. Because we need it. And this year, uh, in my personal life, I want to cultivate greater faith in God and to grow in evangelism. Because I want God's glory to be known to the lost. And I want people to be reconciled to him and for them to find eternal life and eternal joy in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more fantastic than that. Nothing. I don't care what kind of miracle you've seen, there's nothing greater than seeing somebody come to faith in Christ. I'm sure you know Christ's first commandment to his new followers in the first chapter of Mark was, Come ye after me, and I will make you fishers of men. The last words on, on this earth to his disciples were, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Christ began and ended his ministry with a command to be witnesses and fishers of men. 
See, the thrust of his teaching is summed up in the Great Commission, where he tells his followers to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the first principle then is that the church as a body has a clear mandate, the mandate of reconciliation. And together we must work towards that mandate. That's why as a church we have a strategy that says we take the challenge of evangelism seriously. And I know many of you are actively involved in the the various outreaches and ventures that take place in and outside the church. And I want to thank you, really want to thank you so much for all the hard work and effort that you put in, the time that you give up, the way that you serve others. But the Lord wants more. He wants us to go further. He wants us to become more effective in our daily lives. And I want to encourage you in this. The whole church family working together and supporting each other through prayer, encouragement and practical hands-on. You see, personal engagement is critical to seeing people saved. Bringing them to church is only one small element of reaching out. It is the sustained personal involvement in a person's life that brings them closer to faith. It's that personal touch, folks. The involvement in a person's life that causes them to take a step of faith. This is where we need to become more effective. So let's encourage each other to this. Share your story of success. Share your story of disappointment so together we can rejoice in our success. And together we can pray for greater courage and faith to overcome our disappointments. And keep on going. Keep on spurring each other on. The one-to-ones are the imperative. I want to say that again. The one-to-ones are the imperative. This is where we have to focus our attention and be intentional. This is why it's important to be engaged in the church strategy. As we work together, it will help us to step out in confidence at a pace that's appropriate to our goal and our faith. And through encouragement, I'm hoping people's confidence will grow. And they will become more bolder in their witness, irrespective of their surroundings or their circumstances. And I just want to share, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, John, but John's been coming along onto the streets with us, and he's only been coming for about maybe eight or ten weeks or something like that. But I've just seen him flourish and, and just grow in that. And now he's, you can't stop him. He just goes on his own. Where are you going, John? Oh, he's over there. He's talking to somebody else. And it's through that confidence we encourage each other, and it's great to see that happening. And I believe that will happen for many others. The ability and confidence to share openly and sensitively their faith will filter down to the one-to-ones with people around them. I wonder, is God speaking to you this morning? Maybe this is a season in which God is asking you to step out in faith beyond your comfort zone. If he is then be assured that he will be with you and equip you 
as you faithfully step out in him. I want to encourage you this morning. Go for it. Philippians 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Folks, we are not alone in this. We are not alone in this. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. It may be you don't have a relationship with Jesus and would like to know more. That's great. I'd love to explain more and pray with you at the end of this meeting. Just grab me. Just come and see me at the front. It may be that you've got some questions about the Christian faith or you know someone who would like to know more about Christianity, about God, the Bible. If that's the case, we have a great course that meets that need. It's called Alpha and it'll start mid-May. And can I encourage everybody this morning to make use of this. Please pray and ask God to lead you to someone who will be able to benefit from that. Be intentional. Be intentional. I'm going to finish now. I just want to finally just read a verse. It's a well-known verse to you. It's time I shut up. It's in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's a clear command. So as ambassadors, this morning of Christ, be encouraged, folks, and encourage one another and each other in the ministry and the message of reconciliation, of reaching out to those who are next to you. Let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you for this marvellous gospel that you've given us. The gospel of life, Lord. And I thank you that, Lord, that you are with us. As you ask us to step out, Lord God, you are with us. For you never leave us nor forsake us. And I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you will take hold of us as you did, Paul, by your Holy Spirit. That you will mobilize us, Lord, in such a way that your kingdom will grow here and beyond. That, Lord, we would move supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. That we would learn to listen and hear and act. That we would do, Lord, what we see you doing that we would touch what you are touching. I pray that, Father God, that you will cause us, Lord, to be drawn closer to you. Flood our hearts, Lord, with your love in such a way that we will be overflowing, Lord, your love to those around us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, please uh, don't rush away. We've got tea and coffee, I believe and some goodies, donuts, and other things out in the foyer. And do help yourself if you hear a visitor um, or you're passing through and you're here for the first time. Um, there's a special area where you can just uh, take a seat and somebody come, will come and serve you when tea and coffee has that. Yeah? Sounds good, doesn't it? Um, so uh, do enjoy your week, and, and God bless you, and have a great week. Thank you.
this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.